1: Welcome to the pastor's study. Today I want to tell you the story of one of the most influential people in the history of Western civilization, Martin Luther. And when I tell you his story at the end, I want to share lessons for our personal lives from his life. So before we begin, let's pray. Father, we live in a time when the church again needs to be reformed. Lord, our churches are drifting away from the Bible, and Lord, teach us now as we think about what happened five years ago, what we should do in our own lives. Holy Spirit, come and speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. <coughs> Excuse me. The story of Martin Luther, here we go. Martin Luther was born in Germany in 1483. Luther's father want, wanted Luther to become a lawyer. But when Luther was a young man, he's traveling through the forest, he's in the midst of a terrible thunderstorm, and he yells out, Saint Anne, save me, and I'll become a monk. He was saved from the thunderstorm, and much to his father's chagrin, in 1505, Martin Luther entered the monastery. He's going to be a Catholic monk, and he desperately wanted to know that he was saved, but he knew at the end of every day that he had sinned and that he was lost and, and he would regularly show up at the door of the father confessor Staupitz confessing all of his sins and, and here's what Luther said of those days in the monastery I truly thought that by invoking three saints a day by letting my body waste away with fasting that I should satisfy God's law and shield my conscience against the goad but it all availed me nothing. The further I went on in this way, the more I was terrified so that I should have given over in despair had not Christ graciously regarded me and enlightened me with the light of the gospel. In 1507, (coughs) Luther is ordained a priest in the Catholic Church. In 1511, he becomes the Doctor of Theology at Wittenberg University. He would hold that post the rest of his life in 1512 he starts teaching the book of Romans to his students and somewhere between 1512 and 1515 he had what's called his tower experience that changed his life and the history of of Western civilization. It's called his tower experience because he was studying the book of Romans in the tower and he comes to discover we're not saved by being good enough, by good works, we're saved by grace. And here's what he wrote. I greatly longed to understand Paul's epistle to the Romans. And I, night and day I pondered it until I grasped the truth that the righteousness of God in Romans 1 is the righteousness whereby through grace and sheer mercy God justifies us by faith. Thereupon I felt myself to be born again and to have gone through open doors into paradise. The whole of the Bible took on a new meaning and this passage of Paul, Romans, became to me a gateway to heaven. So now Luther knows he's forgiven, he's saved, he's born again. In 1516 he denies the necessity of priests as mediators. He taught Jesus as the mediator between God and man. You don't have to confess to a priest to be saved. Then came the fateful day in 1517. The Pope wants to build the big beautiful St. Saint Saint Peter's Cathedral in Rome. That's the beautiful church you see for midnight mass every year. But he needs a lot of money. So the Pope offers indulgences, meaning if you pay the church money to build the the St. Peter's Cathedral, we'll get grandma out of purgatory quicker for you. So priests are going around Europe selling indulgences. A priest by the name of Johann Tetzel comes through Luther's town, jingling the money box saying, quote, every copper that in my coffer rings, another soul from purgatory springs. Luther heard this and became incensed selling salvation. He went to the door of Wittenberg Cathedral and he nailed 95 theses on the door, 95 points of contention that he had with what the Catholic Church was doing. And again, Luther has no intention of leaving the Catholic Church, he just wants to reform it. In 1519 he denies the primacy of the Pope. Luther teaches the Pope is not the head of the church, Jesus is in 1520 he wrote some letters to various german princes telling them number one we need to reform the church it's so immoral number two you can stop paying money to Rome nowhere in the Bible does it say that every year you have to send lots of money to the Pope he also taught that we should stop clergy celibacy he said Peter had a wife It never says in the Bible you can't have a wife if you're a pastor and. He also taught that we should stop saying masses for the dead. My dad was Catholic at his funeral. They said these prayers to get my dad out of purgatory quicker. Well, Luther basically made the point, where's purgatory in the Bible? It ain't. Luther also taught we should stop all these pilgrimages in medieval Europe. Let me explain the pilgrimages. For instance, To this day, if you go to Vasily, France, a little town in France, up on the hill is this big beautiful cathedral built in like 1200 around the little finger bone of Mary Magdalene. And in medieval Europe, poor people would traipse hundreds of miles to get near the little finger bone of Mary Magdalene. Why? To get time off of purgatory. And Luther said, enough. This is going on at shrines all over Europe, worshiping the relics. And Luther also told the princes, Jesus gave communion with bread and wine. The church is now just giving the bread. Could we go back to the way Jesus gave it, the bread and the wine? Well, as you can imagine, the Pope didn't like all this, and in 1520, Luther was deemed a heretic. Now comes the trial in 1521. This is the great, one of the great scenes of, of, of European history. Luther comes from Wittenberg in an ox cart with some hundreds of his followers to this little town called Worms, Germany. Also, coming to Worms for the trial is Charles V, the emperor of the Holy Roman Empire, Jerome Alexander, the papal ambassador, uh, 24 dukes, six electors, 30 bishops. This was one man against the empire. Luther had been promised when you come, you will be able to debate your ideas you'll have safe passage to and from the trial. Luther comes, he wants, he's kind of excited, he wants to defend his beliefs from the Bible. The papal ambassador puts Luther's books on the table in this big cathedral with many people present. Luther, do you recant? Do you take back what you said in these books? And Luther's basic point was, no, but let's have the debate. There will be no debate. Do you recant? And Luther now discovers he's been set up. He asks for 24 hours to think it over. The next day, everybody comes back into the cathedral, and Luther says his famous words, Unless I shall be convinced by the testimony of the scriptures or by evident reason, I am bound by the scriptures that I have quoted. My conscience is held captive by the word of God and as it is neither safe nor right to act against conscience I therefore cannot and will not retract anything then according to tradition he said his famous words here I stand I can do no other God help me Luther took a stand and the ban of the empire was put upon him anybody that found him could kill him his own friends kidnapped Luther as he left took him up to Wartburg Castle on the hill, where he hid out for a year, translated the Bible into German during that year, wrote Christian pamphlets about the gospel, and his beliefs spread all over Europe. By 1522, he had enough protection that he could go back to Wittenberg and keep resuming his lectures. 1524, he married a former nun by the name of Catherine. And now, because we're saved by grace, people start singing in church again. Hymns became popular again. They would kind of died out. Luther writes hymns. Then in 1525, the Catholic scholar Erasmus writes a work called The Freedom of the Will, that it's up to you whether you choose Christ and be saved or not. Luther read it and hated it and wrote a response called The Bondage of the Will, saying we don't have free will anymore. We can only come to Christ when the Holy Spirit draws us to Christ. In 1530, Luther approved what's called the Augsburg Confession. That's what Lutherans believe today. And then in 1545, Luther died. That's the story of Martin Luther. Let me share with you what I learned for my life from his life. Number one, think about eternity. (laughs) Martin Luther in that monastery desperately wanted to know, where am I going to spend eternity? And, and back in the Middle Ages, people thought about eternity. I mean, part of it had to do with the plagues. Periodically, a plague would come through and just kill thousands of people. In fact, today when you go to Europe, a lot of town squares have a big pillar in the middle of town saying, thank you, God, for saving us from the, the plague of 1692. So um, death was everywhere back then. But, but think about eternity. In our day and age, do people think about eternity? I mean, I know a pastor who talks about eternity denying entertainment. Watch some of our TV talk shows. Watch some of these entertainment shows. Would you ever dream there's an eternity, that there's heaven and hell coming? Not from watching American television. Second thing that I learned from Luther, read the book for yourself. When, when I took philosophy in college, the professor taught, if you wanna know Aristotle, Don't read books about Aristotle. Read Aristotle himself. If you want to know Descartes, you read Descartes. It's fine then to read other books. And I want to say that to you. Read the Bible for yourself. That's how Luther got saved. He he was reading the book of Romans and rediscovered we're not saved by good works, by trying to be good enough. We're saved by the grace of Christ. Read the Bible for yourself. Can I tell you something that is so disgusting? There is an ELCA Lutheran pastor. In Arkansas who is teaching that if Jesus wasn't single, then Jesus was in a committed same-sex relationship, and he's pastor over a church, and, and, and if the church people of his congregation were reading the Bible, they'd get that guy out of there. Read the Bible for yourself. Next lesson from Luther. Praise God for your salvation. Erasmus said you choose whether you're saved or not and Luther's basically said nobody can do that we're so bound to sin it's only when the Spirit comes into our life. In other words Luther wanted God to get the credit for all his salvation and I can remember an old Lutheran professor saying to us in seminary I'm glad my salvation depends 100 percent this much on Christ and not this much on me because he said I have trouble doing this much. <laughs> when, when, when Johann Sebastian Bach would write a concert, at the end of that concert he'd write the words in Latin, solo gloria dei, to God alone be the glory. And Luther said that about salvation. The reason you're saved is not because you did something with your free will. You don't have free will when it comes to God. It was the Holy Spirit that brought you to Christ. God gets 100% credit for your salvation. I mean, there were two Christians debating free will. And the Christian who believed in free will says to the other, Well, don't you believe that first you had to do your part, and then God did his part? And the other Christian said, Yep, I believe that. I did my part, I did the sinning, and God did his part. He did the saving. <laughs> I mean, the, the first step of AA is you have to admit, I'm powerless over alcohol. And Luther's point was, the first step in being a Christian is to admit, I'm powerless to save myself. I need the Holy Spirit. Next thing I learned from Luther, have you come to assurance? Martin Luther desperately wanted to know if he was saved, and it was through Romans the book of Romans that he came to discover grace and that he was saved. Do you have the assurance that if you died right now because of Christ, not because of you, but because of Christ, your sins are forgiven? You're going to heaven. You know, I've shared this on, on this show before, but this was a big moment for me. I was leading a Bible study in college, and after the, my fellow students left, one young college girl kind of lingered, Tom, can I talk to you about something? are you sure you're saved? And I was offended. I think I'm saved. No, Tom, are you sure you're saved? And I said, yes. And she left my room, and I'm sitting there thinking, did I just lie? Because I wasn't sure I was saved. And that's when somebody explained to me 1 John 5.13. I write this to you who believe in the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that we're saved by God's grace, by Christ on the cross, not by how good you are, because you'll never be good enough. It's only by Christ we'll be saved. When that light bulb went on for me, that changed my life. Do you have the assurance of your salvation? If you don't, take out your Bible, not the book of John, but 1 John 5.13, and read that over and over and over. Next lesson from Luther. There is only one class of Christians... In medieval Europe, the pope was at the top of the church, then came the cardinals, then the archbishops, then the bishops, then the priests, and at the bottom was everybody else. And Martin Luther, although he still believed in priests and bishops, and I do today too, we need, we need pastors in the church, the Bible talks about pastors, he basically made the point, the priesthood of all believers. Every Christian is equal. We're all saints. We're all priests. He gets this from 1 Peter chapter 2, where Peter says, you, and he's talking about all Christians, are a chosen race, a royal priesthood. Every Christian was, is a priest. I mean, I had some guy that was talking to me some time ago, and he was putting me way up on the pedestal because I'm a pastor. And I said, don't do that. You need to know some of us pastors. We're all equal. And then the last lesson that I learned from Martin Luther? Take a stand. Because one man said, here I stand, I can do no other. He was saying, kill me if you want, but I'm not budging on the gospel of grace. And because he didn't budge, we have the gospel of grace today. Can I tell you something? We live in a day and age where you gotta, as a Christian, take a stand. You know, I'm, I'm in Minnesota here. In Minnesota, there's something called Minnesota Nice where everybody's nice to each other, and you wanna worship Buddha, that's fine. I'll worship Jesus, and you wanna worship uh, Allah, that's fine, but let's all be nice because we're all going to heaven. No, 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 and on Judgment Day, you're gonna find out that wasn't nice. When people turn to you and say, why did you tell me all roads lead to heaven when Jesus said he's the only way to heaven? That wasn't nice, and what we need to do is to take a stand in our day and age. And so, can I tell you, I wrote a song Martin Luther's words at the Diet of Worms, Here I stand, I can do no other. Can I just sing you a song about how we need to take a stand? Just listen, please, to these words. Here we go. I can tell you where I stumble. I can tell you where I fall. But there's one thing I must tell you and to tell this above all where I stand. I stand beside the Jordan waiting for that boat to cross. I stand amidst a nation that has somehow gone so lost. I stand on knees that tremble wondering would I pay the cost. But the only place I firmly stand, I stand beneath the cross. I stand beneath that fountain that washes white as snow. I stand beneath what Pilate did as my own crime also. I stand beneath God's judgment, but I stand beneath his grace. I stand here on our planet as I wait to see his face, and I stand against the devil, and I stand against the world, and I stand against my own flesh, which so many lies have hurled. I stand for my Redeemer, and I stand for the saints of old. I stand for the blood-stained martyrs, so shameless and so bold. I stand for my dead sister, who always read his word. And I stand in prayer for millions, who still have never heard. And I stand for the apostles, for Peter, James, and John. I stand for the Church of Jesus Christ that will indeed live on. I stand for my grandma who prayed me to the Lord. I stand for all who ever stood through flame and fire and sword. I stand for the Holy Trinity For the Father, Spirit, Son, I stand for the second coming when his work is fully done. I stand against all hatred. I stand for his kingdom's love, and I will not stop standing till it comes down from above. I can tell you where I stumble. I can tell you where I fall but there's one thing I must tell you, and to tell this above all, I stand before the Jordan, waiting for that boat to cross. I stand awaiting Jesus, I wait beneath his cross, and one day when I can't stand, when I'm placed beneath the sod, I'll be standing on the other side, in heaven with my God, here I stand. I want to encourage you, Christian, it's hard to do, but pray and do it. Take a stand for Christ. Amen. Welcome to the
2: portion of the Pastor Study, where we now ask Pastor Brock to share with us his knowledge of Scripture and his insights to answer questions we have regarding the Bible, our Lord, and our everyday walk with Him. Pastor Brock, Are we saved by grace alone or are we saved by grace and our good works?
1: We're saved by grace alone, Ephesians chapter two. For by grace you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing, it's a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. So, Jackie, what gets us into heaven is the grace of God, not our good works. (coughs) Having said that, we're saved by grace alone, but grace never is alone, it always changes your life. So if someone says they're saved by grace, but they're living in sin, that shows they haven't been saved by grace. We all still sin after we're Christians, but do you fight it or do you live in it? That shows you haven't experienced grace.
2: Well, if we're (laughs) saved by grace alone, why can't we sin as much as we
1: want? Here's the answer. If we're saved by grace alone, then why be good? Because, you know, we're saved by grace alone. Well, Paul answers that in Romans chapter six. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace might increase? Paul's answer is, may it never be. Do you not know as many of us as we're baptized into Christ Jesus, we're baptized into his death. In other words, when we're baptized, we are baptized to die to our old self and live to God. And if you are living in sin, you are not experiencing the grace of God that we got in baptism. So it's a contradict, again, we all sin but if you're living in sin, that shows you haven't been saved by grace.
2: Okay, do you believe it's possible to abuse the
1: grace of God? Yes, there's, there's a lot, and I think I've done it, and probably you too, when you think, well, I can do this because I can be forgiven afterwards. You know that, why that is so dumb? Yes, you can be forgiven, but you'll bear the scars of that. I mean, Jackie, a grace abuse, one of the worst I've ever seen, when I found out that a Lutheran hospital in Oregon was, was performing abortions, I wrote the bishop out there and said, how on earth can a Lutheran hospital kill unborn children? He responded, we can do this because the Lutheran church believes in the grace of God. That is evil. Because of grace, we can kill babies. I mean, so it, that's called grace abuse, Jackie.
2: Pastor Tom, if we read the Bible for ourselves, do we really need preachers in the church?
1: Yeah, well, you know, yeah, we talked about Luther and the priesthood of all believers simply means we're all equal and we're all priests. But that doesn't mean that there is no place for pastors and bishops. In the New Testament, it talks about pastors and bishops. So in the New Testament, we need these people. So yeah, we do, Jackie. And I will tell you, I get emails from around the country now because we're on all over the place, sometimes, I get weird emails from people that they are the prophet today. Everybody misunderstands the Bible except for them. So I wrote this person back, can you tell me what church you go to? I don't go to a church. He is the church. (laughs) And what I've noticed, if people read the Bible all by themselves and they're not in any Christian fellowship, their beliefs get weird. So every Christian needs to be in a church, read the Bible, not read the Bible by yourself, but also read it with others, study the Bible with others, or your theology can get weird, yeah.
2: You know, Pastor Brocky. even as a Christian, sometimes I doubt my salvation, and I think a lot of Christians do. Is, is this wrong, or how do we fight
1: that? It's human, and it's, it's in the Christian experience, but we, it is wrong, so we fight it. I mean, Jackie, there are days I wonder if I'm saved, but what you do when you're wondering is you remember the verses, he who believes in the Lord Jesus will be saved, You remember 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. You remember Ephesians 1, 7, in Christ we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. So we fight our doubts with the Bible by taking Holy Communion, that's a good way to fight the devil. Uh, By going to church is a good way to fight our doubts.
2: Is it possible to be sure that you're saved but still really lost?
1: I think it is. Jesus talked about these people on the last day. Lord, Lord, uh, let us in, basically. Depart from me, you who work lawlessness. I never knew you. And Jackie, that says there are gonna be people on the last day who thought they were saved, but because they never repented of their lawlessness, they're not going to heaven. So yeah, it is. It, there, uh, here's the thing. There are people who are sure they're saved and they're not. <laughs> yeah. And there are people who aren't sure they're saved, but they are saved because they're trusting in Christ. So it's, yeah.
2: Pastor Brock, we only have less than a minute left mm-hmm. and we want to take some time here at the end to update people as yep. to what's happening yep. with our ministry. Sure,
1: and everybody, I really want to just ask you to pray for us because now we're on all over the country. We used to just be on in Minneapolis, but go to pastorstudy.org You'll see all the various places we're on TV around the country. You can also watch our TV shows for free there. If you have a friend that needs to see this show, push them to pastorstudy.org. If the Lord nudges you to, to uh, help us and support us, uh, your giving keeps us on the air. So you go to pastorstudy.org, you can give that way, or there's going to be an address at the end. And Pray for us. If the Lord uh, moves you to give, think of that, and God bless you till next time